Welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud, a weekly podcast with IT leaders who are driving the future of a software-defined infrastructure-based data center. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be in the world. My name is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies, and I'm joined today by Richard Gendel-Brown, Chief Technology Officer of R3. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Jake. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Richard, thanks for joining us. You know, Intel is an investor in R3, and as an investor, we're excited about what you're doing with the future of confidential computing. So, you know, the road to software guard extensions or SGX and the road to distributed ledger technology has not been an overnight success story. It's been something that I know you've been working on for a long time. I've been working on it for a long time inside of Intel. But before we get into the things that we're super passionate about for our listeners, can you give us a background on what confidential computing means to R3? And more importantly, how did you build your career, become part of R3? And can you tell our listeners a little bit more about R3 as well? Sure. So I'm Richard Brown. Today, I'm Chief Technology Officer of R3, as you say. And R3 is an enterprise software firm whose primary product is a distributed ledger or blockchain platform called Corda. We started building this about five years ago, and it's designed and built from the ground up to be used by businesses, originally designed for banks, but now being used in multiple industries. And it was based on, I guess, what I think was an insight that we were lucky enough to have because of the sheer number of other firms we were working with in the early days, this insight that one of the really amazing and powerful opportunities that the blockchain presents for business is the ability for multiple firms in a market, the firms that are cooperating with each other or competing with each other, it provides an opportunity for them to massively improve the way in which they interact with each other, allows you know, all those business processes, whether it's invoices or whether it's the insurance policies, you know, all the different contracts and agreements that exist between firms, what if we could somehow automate them, work them make them work? better, make it possible for whole markets to be optimized because everybody knows that they see the things they should, they see the same things as their counterparts. You know, can we just apply this technology that was never designed to solve problems in business? Can we take the essence of it and apply it to solve problems in business? And that's why we built Corda, you know, an enterprise blockchain designed to you know, automate and manage the agreements and the operations between firms. And like you say, we've been on this journey now for five years. I joined R3 in 2015 after having had the rest of my career and you know, my prior career, or you know, 15 years plus at IBM, where I worked in a variety of roles. I guess it's like one of these things, you know, when you look back on your career, you think you've got a plan, but it's only when you look back, you realize you know, how things played out. So what I realized was you know, I've been fortunate to work almost exclusively in IBM's software business. And you know, back in the 2000s, you know, that was the growth market, you know, enterprise software and um, software to make individual firms work better. That was a real sweet spot for IBM. And I rode that wave, primarily working with um, banks around the world. So I had this nice experience of being you know, a deep technical specialist. I was a software engineer. I was a consultant. I was a pre-sales engineer. You know, I did all the different roles you do in a software firm. So I was, you know, I was technical. 
cycle. But I was also focused on one industry that I was really fascinated by, which was finance. And you know, long story short, you know, when the Bitcoin revolution began to take off, you know, I first became aware of it in the early 2010s. It appealed to me at an intellectual level, at a, well, I guess, perhaps an economic level, maybe if I admit it, maybe a political level. And I began to realize that this could have you know, transformational impacts. It could be relevant to my clients. You know, back in the IBM days, it was interesting to me. So I began to think more and more about it, write more and more about it, and think about you know, how these different things that I was interested in and my clients were interested in might come together. Taking that even longer story shorter, making it even shorter, I came to the attention of the founders of R3, who in 2014 and 15 were building what was then a consortium of banks to do what I'd been talking about, which was figure out what these blockchain technologies might mean for business and for finance. And so I was hired into R3 as the CTO, but in effect, to put my money where my mouth is and say, right, Richard, you've been talking and thinking about this for years. You know, here's some money. Here's all the largest banks in the world. Go prove that you've got this idea that can actually work. You know, go make something. No pressure, though, Richard. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Exactly. Yeah. So what about confidential computing? And I must admit, when I joined R3, that wasn't on my mind. But I knew that we had to build a platform that solved the privacy problem. Because if you think about it, you know, there's an inherent almost contradiction or just almost like an irony at, at the heart of the whole blockchain space, which is the original blockchain, Bitcoin, all the public blockchains, you know, including Ethereum, they're all based on this idea that everybody sees everything. Everybody processes every transaction. Everybody checks everybody else's work. It's necessary for the way that they work. They don't work without it. Well, I like to say it's trust without trust. Yeah, trust but verify. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you apply that to business, if I'm a firm and I sign a purchase order or I sign a contract, you know, I absolutely want to share that data with my customer or my supplier. I want all the parties in a complex syndicated loan deal to see the same thing. But I don't want my competition to see it. So I knew that the quarter had to have privacy at its heart. So as I was thinking this through and as we were designing it, um, we started by designing it to be point-to-point, peer-to-peer. Data only goes wherever it needs to go. But there's a wicked, wicked problem here when you're designing blockchains, which is it's not enough just to share current data. Sometimes you have to prove to the other side that something is true. You have to show them some history. The only way you can convince them that I have some money is by showing them where I got it from, showing them that it really does exist. So there's always this thing, we call it the back chain. It's the proof of how you got here. And my brain could take it too far. My brain could figure out how to minimize how much was shared. But our lead engineer, Mike Hearn, realized that wasn't going to be enough. We also needed to protect that historical data. And his assessment was, and this is the basis of Osprey's introduction to confidential computing, his insight was, you have to do this in a general purpose, extensible way, you know, ad hoc sort of secret science experiment, one-off projects that solve a particular type of privacy aren't going to cut it. You have to have a solution that allows any type of business agreement, any type of contract to be automatically made private. And he did a survey of the market. He looked at zero-knowledge proofs. He looked at holomorphic encryption. He looked at different hardware techniques. And I guess the reasons will come on. His conclusion, with which I agreed and agree, was that it was only some of the unique features of SGX that would allow us to solve the problem that we had. So that's how we got into it. Once we developed this skill, you know, we have a team who spent several years now taming SGX, making it usable for our use cases. Taming SGX. I love it. Yeah, you think taming it. It's like, let's be honest, what is Intel's sweet spot? Intel produces chips. You produce these amazing you know, instruction set architectures. By the tens of millions. You don't produce high-level developer tools. That's correct. Yeah. So when you talked about 
backchain, blockchain. Let's delve a little bit deeper into confidential computing because it's the reason that you continue to do research here, but it's also the reason you've developed a brand new technology that we're going to talk about in a minute. We're going to talk about Conclave, but I want you to talk a little bit about why is it so important to ensure that you have that privacy for confidential computing and how did that take you to the next step from where you are with Corda Enterprise? Sure. So why don't we take what seems like the simplest example, but it turns out to be really hard. Let's imagine we were trying to put cash on the ledger. And this is something people talk about all the time. There's lots of talk about central bank digital currencies and stable coins and things like that in the blockchain space. But at the heart of it is this idea of, I guess, what you call a bearer asset. Let's imagine you're a bank. I'll name one just to make it real. Let's imagine you're a Barclays bank. You want to give your customers the ability to transact pounds on a ledger. So the Barclays maybe issues 100 pounds to me, and then I pay that 100 pounds to you. You pay that to your supplier. Of course, the whole point of this is we're trying to reduce the friction in commerce and we're trying to make things simpler. It would be really annoying if Barclays had to be involved in every single one of those transactions. What you want is for this money to flow peer to peer. But think about that moment now where you're paying that £100 to your supplier. All they've got is a message from you that says, hey, I've got £100 that is issued by Barclays. It's now yours. Their obvious and inevitable response is going to be, yeah, and says who? How am I supposed to trust you? You know, you say it's Barclays money, but you know, how do I know that if I take it back to them, they're actually going to give me the cash? And the way you prove it is by saying, well, let me prove it to you by showing you how I got it. So I received it from Richard, and here's the evidence I got it from Richard, and you can see that Richard received it from Barclays, and therefore your supplier can say, yep, Barclays issued it, it went to Richard, it went to Jake, now it's mine, and everything checks out. But of course, to do that, you've just broken privacy. You've shown where the money came from and all the hands it had gone through. So what SGX and confidential computing allows us to do is instead of showing that history, we instead run a program that verifies that history. And then we remotely attest, we convince that supplier that we have correctly verified that our computer, not their computer, our computer that they don't control, has run the verification steps, has checked that history is legitimate. And then we provide a proof to that supplier that says, provided you trust the software, provided you trust the promises made by confidential computing and the SGX platform, you can be sure that the correct verifications have been performed and that money really is yours. So rather than me providing all the data to that end user, instead I provide a proof that I have run the computation correctly and therefore the money can only be theirs and nothing bad can have happened. So the trust that's created through that chain of logic substitutes for the data that would otherwise breach privacy. Importantly, and it's why you know right now it's tied to SGX, is it relies on this thing called remote attestation because it's not enough for me to be able to run the code and me know it's been run correctly. I have to be able to convince somebody else that it has been run correctly and that I could not have tampered with it. They have to be convinced that this code that they didn't run nevertheless was run correctly and without influence. And this thing that is quite subtle and not everybody gets, but this ability to remotely attest that a particular piece of code ran and could not have been tampered with is absolutely core to what we're doing. 
Well, you know, I love remote attestation because it is part and parcel to building a new economy based on facts and transparency. And truth and transparency, I think, has always been core to banking. And you can see the companies that maintain as much truth and transparency as technically possible tend to grow. And the market, like blockchain, tends to sort of migrate to truth and transparency. It's an interesting thing that we see that, you know, the richest people in the world have exposed them themselves completely. It's like they lay themselves open bare and then they grow. So it's an interesting concept. And I think SGX remote attestation allows for some of that. But let's talk about Conclave because Conclave is new. And Conclave is really an evolution of where you've taken that simple problem that you discussed, Richard, and you've begun to solve that. Can you talk and help our listeners understand where Conclave is going and what it means in its relation to Corda Enterprise? Sure. So why don't I just describe what Conclave is? And then, as you say, I'll then reverse into Corda and why we built it. So Conclave, for the technical-minded listeners, and I'll move to the business side in a sec, Conclave is an SDK that makes it easy to write SGX enclaves and makes it easy to write them in high-level languages such as Java. So the key idea is you can write a Java program and then you can transform it. And when I say Java program, that's any Java language. So it could be Kotlin, it could be Groovy, whatever you like. You can take a Java program and then automatically transform it into an SGX enclave. And it does this in a way that removes your need to know anything about SGX or repeatable builds or any of the things like that. So a regular average business developer who knows Java, who understands business problems, and has got a problem that enclaves can solve. So I'll come on to that. What are those problems in a minute? They can now do that by writing their business logic in Java. They press a button and what pops out is an enclave. So that's the technical description of what it is. What enclave, what conclave lets businesses do is build new services write new applications that can only operate exactly as they say they will. And this allows them to provide services to multiple clients at once that gives nobody any power or information or, or data that nobody else has. And the reason why I talk about this is we had this problem again and again when we were building Corda solutions, because often we wouldn't be in this really fortunate position that you know, Corda is about you know, multiple firms working together. So we'd be in these meetings with lots of customers who had a shared problem. But often the problem they had wasn't, strictly speaking, a blockchain problem. It might have a problem that says, you know what, we're all competitors in this market. There are very strict rules around antitrust and competition. You know, we're not allowed to share our sales data with each other. We're not allowed to tell each other even what we sell our products for. But we all have a legitimate reason to know how big the market is and individually like to know what our share of that market was. If only we could somehow you know, centralize and pool our revenue data and our unit data, if we could give that to somebody who could you know, aggregate it, calculate it, and then tell each of us you know, what our market share was and what the overall market size was, that would be really valuable to us. It would help us serve our customers better. We'd know whether we were the high price, high value, low price, low value. It would be really valuable. The problem is, that would mean somebody in the world, somebody in the market would see all this data. And that's really competitively important. It's really sensitive. Right. Because they would be able to see trends. They would be able to see yeah, what yeah. the market was doing ahead of everybody else. Exactly. So how do you solve that problem? You know, right now, it's solved by, in the, in the financial markets at least, it's solved by these big market data firms who took in all this data, process it, and then sell it back. And they make lots and lots of money and lots of the banks resent that. But we kind of realized, well, hang on, all this skill we've developed, you know, harnessing, taming, if you like, SGX for the privacy use case, we've had to build a JVM that can run inside SGX. We've had to build all the tooling. We've had to build all this technology. 
And we realized, well, hang on, we're now sitting on this platform that makes it easy to write these multi-party computation applications because we'd already done the hard work. So we said, well, actually, imagine that same problem I just described. What if you were to write in Java a program that takes in data from all the suppliers, you know, sums it all together, calculates the average, and sends it back? And what if you could run that program on a computer that cannot be tampered with, where the owner of that computer cannot see what it's doing, cannot influence what it's doing? All they can do is faithfully run it and send the answers back. And what if they could prove, what if that computer program, that computer could prove to the various customers that was all it was doing? You kind of have like the perfect answer. Everybody would be able to send their data safe in the knowledge that the only thing that would happen is that calculation. And it could be hosted by any one of them. It could be hosted by anyone. They'd get that benefit of centralized data processing, you know, shared insights from this collective data, but without anybody, not even the operator of that service, learning something they shouldn't. And that's enabled by the features of confidential computing and, and in particular SGX, but it has to be made visible to business audiences. They have to understand the potential and they have to be able to harness it for themselves. So we focus so much on ease of use, making it possible for you know, regular Java developers to do this without having to know anything about the underlying you know, remote attestation and enclave page cache and all these arcane terms that the customers should just need to care about. What is your business problem? What is the group of people who need a calculation performing? What is that calculation? And what is the data that needs to be shared? And what do we need to convince them about that is not happening to their data? So to just focus on that, and that's what Conclave is about, you know, multi-party computation that's very easy for business developers to write. You know, Richard, you actually covered probably several subjects that our listeners have been thinking about for some time. But what I do want to ask you next is a little bit about the future. So before we go into the future topic, can we tell the listeners where they can learn more? You've done blog posts, obviously, R3 has a website, but where can they learn more about R3 Corda and R3 Conclave? Best place to start is simply r3.com. That's where everything is. For Corda, go to corda.net. Corda is spelled C-O-R-D-A, corda.net. And Conclave is at conclave.net. Perfect. So, Richard, you know, you're by far one of the smartest people we've had on our podcast. And we've only had 700 or so of these. But, you know, your background in distributed ledger technologies, particularly in financial services, which really affects every one of us who live in the world today, it's pretty hard to avoid the touch of the financial markets. So can you give our listeners a peek into the future of confidential computing and confidential computing in the financial industry as it relates to R3 and just your thoughts in general? Well, thank you for that setup. It's very flattering. Thank you. So if I think about the big picture, you know, the, the vision we're driving towards, one way I think about it, and this is beyond even confidential computing, the thing I think about a lot is if you think about what the IT industry has achieved in its short history, you know, it's only several decades, it's almost all been about transforming and just like massively optimizing individual firms. You just think about, you know, the automation that happened in the 60s, you know, the web revolution in the 90s and the 2000s. Pretty much, you know, IT companies almost always sell to individual companies, and it's all about making those companies more efficient. I think we're on the cusp of what you might call like the future of like a multi-party systems or market level optimization, where we look at you know, rather than individual firms, we look at a whole market. You know, one example is the Italian banking system that is using Corda to massively optimize how the individual banks reconcile between themselves. And I wonder whether we're on the cusp of a new wave 
where we get multiple firms together to, to improve like almost like the next frontier, which is the market in which they operate for their benefit, their shareholders' benefit, and their customers. But of course, to do that, it means necessarily data is going to be moving ever more freely at ever higher volumes between firms, you know, across administrative boundaries, but you know, between different organizations with different objectives. And so the privacy of that data is clearly important. You know, encryption can help with that. Only sending data to those who need it can help with it. But you're not going to be able to get away from the fact that sometimes you have to send data to somebody else, but you have to know exactly what they're going to do with it. And you won't be able to rely just on a privacy policy or an English language contract because the downside will just be too great if they violate it or a rogue employee does what they shouldn't. So this ability, and this is the confidential computing piece, in the future, it won't be a case of sending data to somebody and just hoping they do the right thing. You'll be sending data to them, but you'll be sending data to a remote a tested service that allows you to know either exactly what it will do or the identity of the auditor that has verified and confirmed what it will do. So you share the data in the context of the application or the service that will process it. So if you bring that to the consumer realm, you know, one way I think about it is you know, right now you go to a website, you see that padlock, what does it tell you? It tells you who you're talking to. It tells you that you're talking to Facebook or that you're talking to Google. It doesn't tell you anything about what they'll do with the data. You have to read the privacy policy for that and hope it's correct. But the padlock tells you that you are indeed talking to Facebook. One of my dreams for this technology is in the future, you'll pull up your browser and either the full page or, or a form in the middle of it will have a different padlock. And that padlock won't be telling you, yes, this is who you're talking to. It will be telling you, yes, this is exactly what will happen to the data you put in. So you may not care who's processing it, but you know what they can do with it. And that's going to be the power of confidential computers. Outstanding. Well, Richard, it has been an honor to have you on our show. I'd like to bring you back when we launch our next generation platform and have you talk about SGX as scalable SGX as we take R3 Corda and R3 Conclave out into the world. On behalf of Richard Gendel Brown, CTO of R3, my name is Jake Smith. Wherever you may be in the world, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and good night.